introduction lays out a picture of what different yeah different families who had that you may experience that uh, to an extent uh, maybe growing up with brothers and sisters um, one family here took it as far as to do what murder, murder the other one that's bad now Woo. I thought we were going to kill each other sometimes, but I don't think we'd ever, ever killed each other. Uh, my aunt, Shirley, intensely, yeah, we, my aunt, she would always uh, get a water hose, like two old dogs, she'd spray us with water. <laughs> we'd get to fighting and wrestling. This round, she'd spray us with a water hose. She, she used to get the broom out. They had them big uh, straw brooms. She'd get the broom, she'd go to whipping us on top of the head and everywhere. Uh, but we never wanted to kill anybody. We just didn't, we just didn't agree on some things. But anyway, it lists them there, and Abel says, Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, Go on down, and it's not the only one. It lists others there, Ishmael and Isaac, uh, Esau and Jacob, sons of Jacob, uh, and the sons of Jacob. Um, Esau and Jacob and Ishmael and Isaac. What was the really, what do you think really the root cause of these rivalry? Well, I know two of the one, last, last section there that we are talking about. What was some of the, maybe the root cause of that? Yeah, partiality from parents. Um, yeah, so we have to watch out for that as parents, don't we? Uh, we have to guard against that. We got multiple children and things, and as we've said many times from up here, there's not one child that is what the same. <laughs> Ain't none of them the same. Uh, they all have different personalities. They all have different qualities. Some are better in this than the other than is that. And, but we as parents have a job to find out what? What each of those are and help that child grow and succeed and all of that, don't we? Uh, so, you know, I, even in our household, you know, we have, have uh, one who loves to read and loves to study and a bookworm. We have another one who don't. That's why he uses his hands to fix things. Um, and, and, then, and then we have one who's, you know, good at golf and the other one played golf. It wasn't as good as her, but we have to watch those things in parenting, don't we? Uh, and make sure that we don't, we are not the cause of that rivalry between brothers and sisters. And, um, and make sure that we're evenly putting things out to our families. Introduction lays out David. Talk about here, we're talking about David. David was called by his father to go do what? Take steps with his brother. Yeah, check on him. Bring an update, take food to them. Where were they at? According to scripture, it was really long ago. 
fighting the Philistines. And uh, he was sent by him, take those things to them. And in the introduction here, it lays out what he found when he got there. Had they went to war yet? Yeah. Doing a lot of talking, a lot of bragging, a lot of back and forth, this, that, and another. And uh, they were getting ready for that. He came and seen his brothers. <clears throat> While he was there, he heard the, the introduction lays out the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name coming up from the armies of the Philistine, challenging them. And unlike the men of Israel who fled from him and dreadfully afraid, what kind of attitude did David take? Yeah. We often uh, preach and teach on David's what? Courage. courage. Take a lot of courage. Um... But he asked that question there, verse 24. Um, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who should defy who? The armies of the living God. Basically saying, who is this person that would do this, do this thing? Uh, he had confidence in God. But what are we going to study? His brother what? Yeah, his, his brother would uh, become angry, the book says. Accused him of, of pride, being prideful and reckless. Notice what he says. He said, either I replied to... Um, that David had ignored the responsibilities of tending a small flock of sheep. David, who had dutifully carried out his father's instructions, even accused of infidelity toward his job and as an immature excitement uh, at the thrill of warfare. Um, one commentator writes Klein there. He, he adds that to us. That's kind of what his brother was laying out for him. Um, book lays out for us it didn't reveal a sinful pride but it demonstrated his great zeal toward God champion or not the taunts of the uncircumcised Philistine could not go unchallenged the living God was on Israel's side weren't they? wasn't he oh, and David trusted in God to deliver his, his people so in verses 12 through 16 of 1 Samuel 17, pick up in verse 14. It says, David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. So we've already kind of laid the picture out. They've gathered their armies. I can picture maybe one on one side, one on the other in a valley or something there. And, um, 
the two groups, the, the problem, it says, could be traced uh, to at least the time of Israel's exodus from Egypt. What was that point there? He didn't lead them where? He was, yeah, he was afraid that they would become discouraged, wouldn't he? They got over there and had to fight just coming out of Egypt. So he led them the long way around. Actually, it was closer to go through that way, but he led them a long way around. Sometimes in our lives, I thought about that as I studied this, sometimes God leads us what? The long way around something. Sometimes we don't understand. Well, this, it could be easier or quicker or better to go right through here. Sometimes that ain't the best thing. I learned that coon hunting with my son. Sometimes it's better to take the long way around than have to get down on your knees like a rabbit and crawl through briars. Uh, I can remember one night all I could see was lights at a far distance. And he was hollering, Daddy, where are you? <laughs> I'm over here in the briar patch, can't get out. <laughs> Be there in a minute. Sometimes a God does that to us, doesn't he, our own life situations. But again, the period of wilderness here of wandering, he charged the people to remove the inhabitants of Canaan from the land, which included possessing the land of Philistines. We've been studying that a little bit in, in uh, our Wednesday night class. But the tribe of Judah led the nation in the effort. They failed to drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. Remember that? What was Caleb's response? Do you remember? Give me the, yeah, let's do it anyway. Give me the high land. Let's just go, let's go do it. At 85 years old. The failure occurred because the people lost sight of what God was willing to do for them. So, the Philistines, they um, remained a threat to the children of Israel. And the giant Goliath mocked Israel and declared, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. What was their response? No man was what? Yeah, no man. I was afraid, weren't they? It says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. 1 Samuel 17 and 11. To them, the victory seemed unlikely. But then the book points out that the new man arrived on the scene. David, who just, uh, Samuel just anointed, didn't he? Um, to be the next king. says David on down there, says David who is from the tribe of Judah could hardly be more different than Goliath. One commentator writes here, he says, the elaborate description of Goliath, the warrior in the previous paragraph marks a stark contrast with David, the shepherd boy. Described here, Goliath is enormous, protected by impressive armor, potent weapons, 
and accompanied by his own shield-bearer for added protection. I guess we could say he, he was uh, to look upon or whatever, one would be intimidated, wouldn't he, because of that. Little old shepherd boy here. Nevertheless, the young man from Judah, David there, possessed what? Faith in God. And the book points out there that his ancestors what? Lacked. He trusted the Lord and lived river from the Philistines. According to the text, Jesse, who was too old to serve in Israel's army, had eight sons, three of whom had gone to follow Saul to battle. David, being the youngest uh, of his sons, was not yet old enough to serve, verse 14. Instead, he split time between playing his heart for the king and uh, tending his father's sheep. And again, despite their willingness to go to war, David's older brothers were among those who were afraid of Goliath's continued taunts, which occurred twice daily. For how many days? Forty days. <clears throat> he would come out and challenge the people. Um, so we, we, see, uh, we see a young man with courage. We see a young man facing a situation um, that seems to be dire to the army of God, the Israelites, and God's people. Um, so what about the next section here? 17 through 22 says, Jesse said unto David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. Carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand." And look how their brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came, the trench, came to the trench um, as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. And Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage or his baggage in the hand of the keeper in the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. So, I can guess see the young person in David a little bit here being, uh, he knew God was on his side. But uh, he uh, sometimes youthful our kids and, and stuff they they don't see the whole big picture sometimes do they uh, now David knew I said again that God was on his side uh, but that was their way of thinking uh, and and if you've got any kids of any age or whatever. As they get older, it don't get any easier. They don't see the big picture in things. Um, we parents have the ability, and, and his brothers probably, I mean, maybe they were looking at it as a simple thing, a prideful thing, but 
in one sense, they were probably doing what? Looking out for him, in one sense. Um, because a lot of times, uh, if you say you've got any children, sometimes they don't see the big picture. The effects of what they're about, the decision that they're about to make or have made or involved in or whatever the case may be. And what's, what, what times, what are a lot of their thoughts about us as parents? Don't own us. You have lost your ever-loving mind. You don't have a clue, they say. You got little bitty, bitty ones, y'all was wait. But a lot of times our children will look ahead and, and, and they see, because a lot of times growing up, the immature part of children, they only see what? Right here. Now, we were all there, right? We can relate to that, right? <laughs> we're all there. We've all been there. But a lot of times they only see right here. And, but they don't look at the long-term effect of things. You know, it's just like when you have a child who's marrying or, or whatever with a non-Christian or, or whatever the case may be. You know, they don't see the long-term effects of that. That's why I always encourage in counseling or talking to young people, you, you better be working on them and, and you better find something that says, oh, they're willing to change because if you don't, there's going to be some long-term effects that's going to hurt your home. It's not going to be the home that God wants, wants it to be. And I think we have to relay that. Now, that's totally away from David fighting Goliath. But again, we have to look that way. We have to help our children. And we have to teach our children when they're young to be what? Receptive of those things. It don't start when they get 15, 16, 17, 18. You teach them when they're young. You start when they're young, teaching them and helping them to be receptive to what mom and dad are suggesting. Um, because mom and dad, most of the time, know best. What was that show? Was it mama or daddy? Father knows best. Yeah. Father knows best. Um, so, so again, uh, they were probably looking at that. I can see the, the immature part here, you know, maybe if we could say, but also the part that depended upon God uh, and David. Uh, so again, he rose early in the book there, and he followed his father's instructions. The father told him to do what to do, what he wanted him to do. Um, we see there in the book that he left his stuff, and the supply keeper ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Greeted here indicates asking his brothers how they are, he was faithful to what he had been commanded to do. Uh, following his, follower, his father's instructions. Probably excited even to see this two armies, man. I, I, you know, you think about what that would, you know, do. Um, all the hoopla, maybe. Uh, excited to see that. So if you go on and you look at the rest of the scripture, we won't take time to read that because our time is getting away from us, but... 23 through 30, while speaking <clears throat> to his brothers, what happened? On his daily thing that he's been doing for 40 days, or going to do for 40 days, and he's going to challenge them again. Actually taunting them, making fun of them probably, uh, or is. Uh, 
And all the men of Israel fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Verse 24. But David was an exception. Uh, one commentator writes here, Goliath came out and made his regular challenge and David heard it. While the others fled in fear of the Philistine champion, David's reaction sets him apart from the other Israelites. The men of Israel explained to David the reward reserved. Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come out to defy Israel and, and uh, it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches. Give him his daughter and his father's house uh, exemption from taxes in Israel. So how does David respond here? Yeah. Yeah. It gives a response down there and the difference between the two language of the men and David's response. It says the men of Israel called Goliath this man. David calls him what? Yeah. Kind of a gouge or kind of a, we'll put it back on him. It's uncircumcised for listing. Circumcision had what? Had had. It was something important, wasn't it? Uh, if you weren't, he used it there to be a disgrace, maybe we could say. Um, defying Israel, he says, he's come out to defy the armies of the living God. Um, you know, David refers to him as the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel. Fearsome giant. We, uh, one years ago, we kind of imagined what, how tall he was. And I can't remember how many hands it was. Some of y'all may remember it or something. I can't remember. But anyway, it was way on up there, like, was it nine feet or something, wasn't it? Yeah, about nine feet uh, tall. That's a pretty tall fellow. Um, so most certainly intimidating. But anyway, David... Talks about him having the audacity, or the, they, they bring it out in the commentary here. But the men of Israel looked at Goliath and cowered down. David looked to God with confidence. Rather expressing thankfulness for the confidence, David expressed his, uh, David expressed his brother Eliab became angry. We already mentioned that. And uh, said, so why'd you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Talks about his pride and his insolence of his heart. We've come down here to see the battle. Now one commentator writes, his, uh, his brother tends to be a mirror. In 16 and verse 6, he was a mirror of the handsome Saul. Here, however, either that was a mirror of someone else. His tongue drips contempt as he alludes to David's few sheep in the wilderness and uh, the evil of David's heart. He spoke this way despite knowing David had been anointed to be, um, despite knowing that David had been anointed to be Israel's next king. And uh, David had to confront his own brother and he asked him, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? He ends up there, David's reaction was justified. Goliath not only challenged God's people, but also challenged God. David could not remain silent, even if his brothers were Israel, uh, of Israel's king refused to act. 
Now, that last statement right there, he couldn't refuse to be silent. That's going to tie in to our sermon this morning uh, in our worship, demanding purity. Um, we are in a world today that's filled with inconsistency according to morality and God's word. And we as Christians must demand morality. We must demand purity. But we must be also people who show those things to be able to demand that. Uh, applications real quickly. We must not allow our focus to be diverted from God's promises. Unlike David, the soldier of Israel made this mistake. Rather than looking to God for deliverance, they were overwhelmed by the sight of Goliath, the Philistine champion. If we're not careful, we'll give up the battle before it even begins for the same reason. Life can seem to be what? Overwhelming. Overwhelming. But how does it end? God's in control. Trust him. I tell my daughter, talking about trusting, she plays golf. She has every, every club. Every club has a yardage. If you know anything about golf, that's important. She has this little thing. She shoots the yardage, and she says, oh, I hit my eight iron 100 yards safely. Or I hit my pitching wedge this. Based upon whatever she gets, that's the club she chooses. A lot of times if she's close to the green, due to past failures of what we call shanking it or blading it, get a shoot across the green or whatever, the reason for that is that she doesn't trust her club. So all the time her daddy's going, Abigail, trust your club. Trust your club. Because what she'll do if she's close, she'll chip and she won't come all the way through. The club is designed to go so far by how much strength she has. And a lot of times if she's close, she'll, she will not go all the way through. And then I call them smurf shots. I said, you just smurfed that one. And uh, it's where it just goes just a little piece and doesn't get up on the green or whatever. Um, Trust him. Trust God. You know, that's like with her. When she learns to trust that club for the yardage that it is worth, her game will be better. When we learn to trust God, our life will be better. If that makes sense. Um, the next application, Eliel's response to David illustrates how easy it is to be critical of family members or close friends. Rather than being thankful for the courage that David exhibited, his brother Eliab there belittled his brother's work as a shepherd, judged him guilty of excessive pride, and questioned his motives. It is possible jealousy played a role. We must be careful not to think evil of our loved ones. Sometimes we convince ourselves that our loved ones are this way or maybe people we work with or whatever the case may be. And sometimes that's not the case. If we'll really take the time to 
figure out things before we make our assumptions. Um, a lot of times the assumptions that I make are not really true of what is going on. And we do that sometimes quickly. Uh, and his brother here shows that. And, and a lot of times with those things, it will cause us to become angry with our loved ones. Uh, it will cause us to have a very, very difficult life if we allow it. So anyway, we'll stop right there. Our time's up. Um, and again, David and his brothers, courage, trusting in God. He refused to remain silent. I think that's a great lesson for all of us this morning. Let's end with a prayer uh, as we end our class this morning. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the good night's rest you've given us to refresh our minds and our bodies. And we're thankful for this Lord's Day, this beautiful day you've given us to be able to come together, to be able to read from your word, to be able to develop the characteristics, most of all, from your son, but to learn from Bible characters how we should be in the world in which we live. And Father, help us, help us to be who we need to be, to be the example to others. Help us never to bring shame upon your name, your son's name of the church. And help us always to serve you. Forgive us. Be with those who are sick and bereaved and comfort them. Have a lot of people hurting in a lot of different ways. And we pray your blessings be upon them. Be with us as we worship. Let us worship you in spirit and in truth. We're thankful for your son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.